Thank you for joining in in that celebration of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm Steve, and uh, in the middle of my high school career, I did something no teenager wants to do. I moved to a new school in a new state. Uh, the state I moved to was Connecticut, and the school was Trumbull High. And uh, I started with no friends uh, and no clue of what I was doing. Uh, that I had no clue became obvious uh, one of my first days in the cafeteria. Uh, everyone got in line and bought their lunch. I didn't know about the lunch buying thing, so I was uh, the only one that had my uh, lunch bag. Actually, it was a lunch box. And I found out that uh, people at Trumbull High weren't into Partridge family like I was. Uh, but it got worse. I uh, didn't have anywhere to sit, and so I sat down on the only empty table in the room. And after a quick prayer, I was uh, ready to eat my peanut butter sandwich and uh, became conscious of the fact that people were staring at me. Uh, they weren't just staring. They were looking with expressions of shock and apprehension and fear. And uh, this was long before peanut butter was a toxic substance, so I, I knew it wasn't what I was eating. Uh, it had to be something else, and I was about to find out what it was. A big group was heading my way. They were an impressive group. The guys were big. The girls were beautiful. They all had an attitude of superiority. They were athletes. They were good-looking. They were popular. They were the in-crowd, and I was not. And most of you know the transgression that I had committed. And most of you know what humiliation I was about to experience. Because you already know that by accident, I was sitting at the cool table. The cool table. Probably every high school has one. And woe to the junior from out of state who sits uninvited at the cool table. I knew I was in trouble. Uh, but before I could remove myself, I was surrounded by very big, very popular, very hostile, cool people who made it clear that I was in the wrong place. They told me that I was unwelcome now, and I would never be welcome at their table. They made it so clear that even though this was 35 years ago, if I went back in that room and I saw that table, I don't think I would risk it. <laughs> uh, today, uh, we're going to study a dramatic moment in church history that involves a cool table. Uh, this cool table confrontation is found in Galatians chapter 2. So please turn your Bible, your device, to uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians chapter 2, beginning with verse 11. So this is like captured in grainy videotape where the Apostle Paul records this dramatic confrontation and how it relates to some important truths for us. Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, Paul writes this. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. Before certain men came from James, Peter used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, Peter began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles, because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Bar Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, 
you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not, quote, sinful Gentiles, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Bam! This is a confrontation. Uh, Let me first give you the the background behind this confrontation between Peter and Paul. And then second, let's apply some biblical truths behind this confrontation. First, the background behind this confrontation. The most important thing you need to know about uh, this story and the information behind it is to know that Christianity is Jewish. Jesus came in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy penned by Jewish prophets. Jesus lived as a Jewish rabbi. He died as a Jewish savior and rose as the Jewish Messiah. All Jesus' disciples were Jewish. And the first church in Jerusalem was entirely Jewish. And even though the Old Testament prophecies indicated that God's salvation would extend multinationally, even though Jesus said clearly that God so loved the entire world, that's all the people of the globe, even though the disciples probably should have understood God's multinational plan of salvation, the disciples did not. The disciples, like Peter, assumed that in order to follow the Jewish uh, Messiah, you first had to be Jewish. Well, God destroyed this assumption in a dramatic way. God, in Acts chapter 10, gave Peter a vision. And uh, it was designed to show Peter that the laws, the the, the social and ceremonial laws that God gave to the Jews to separate them from Gentiles had served their purpose and were now null and void. The purpose of those, that category of laws, you know, the kosher food laws and the holidays and the ceremonies like circumcision, were designed to create a nation that would give birth to a Savior. And that purpose was now fulfilled. So in this vision, God says those laws are no longer in effect. And then in the same vision, God relates to Peter how he was going to send him to the home of a Gentile so that Peter could tell him about Jesus. So God sent Peter to the home of a non-Jew named Cornelius, and Peter shared Jesus with the dozens who were gathered in this Gentile home. And those Gentiles believed in Jesus, were filled with God's Spirit, and were baptized as Christ followers. And Peter summarized this whole amazing experience in these words that Peter spoke to Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, verse 28. You are well aware that it is against our Jewish laws for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile in his home. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Now, you would think that this vision being what it was and Peter being who he was, that this would just end the controversy uh, in the church. But, But there were some influential Jewish Christ followers who said this. They said, accepting Gentiles may be okay for Peter, but God didn't give me a vision. Gentiles are pagans. 
They don't know anything about the Bible. They don't know God's commands or His demands about our lifestyle. These, these Gentiles dress like prostitutes. They have wild parties. They laugh at dirty jokes and they drink too much. And so these Jewish followers of Jesus said, I'm sorry, I respect Peter, but following Jesus is not enough. God gave us rules to follow too. And so these people believed that anyone who wanted to follow Jesus had to also follow the Jewish laws and customs. And this group had a name. The name of this group appears in Galatians chapter 2, verse 12. These people became known as the circumcision group. Not a great name. Not a catchy name. Uh, If you're looking for a name for your law firm or your rock group, I wouldn't suggest the circumcision group. Uh, The circumcision group got their name because circumcision was the, the biggest requirement on their list. They had a list of requirements of things that Gentiles needed to do in order to be considered Jewish enough to follow Jesus. And this group was so loud and so powerful that they intimidated Peter. And it came to a head in a town called Antioch. And in Antioch, there was a thriving church. And this church was both made up of both Jewish Christ followers and non-Jewish, Gentile Christ followers. And these Jews and Gentiles fellowshiped together as one in Christ. They sat together at the same table and they, they ate together at that table. And when Peter arrived in Antioch, he did the same thing. He sat at the same table with those Jews and those non-Jews and he ate with them and everything was fine until some people from the circumcision group arrived and Peter caved. Peter fell into the cool table mentality. When the circumcision group arrived at the church supper in Antioch, Peter made sure that he sat at a table with only Jewish people. Peter set up his own cool table. And Paul saw this happening and Paul confronted Peter about it Because biblical truth was at stake. And so now I've given you the background behind this confrontation between Peter and Paul. Now I want to suggest how we're going to apply the biblical truths that we're meant to learn and agree upon with regard to this confrontation. So let me express the biblical truths behind the confrontation in the form of Two truths that we are to agree upon here at Black Rock. First, we agree that there must be no racism at Black Rock. At its most basic level, Paul was confronting Peter over his racism. And the truth is that racism is everywhere, but Paul is saying, and God wants us to agree, that racism has no place in the church of Jesus. Paul got in Peter's face and said, no, there must be no racism in the church. And Paul continues this thought in the next chapter, in chapter 3, verse 28, where he says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one. 
in Christ Jesus. Here at BlackRock, we agree. We agree that there must be no racism in our church because we are equally loved and equally valued by the Savior who died for us. Thank God that this is a reality that we experience here at BlackRock. We have a racial unity that comes from our commitment to oneness in Christ. This is not just words. This is real here at BlackRock. You know, lately I've been noticing how this racial unity is reflected at every level of our church, including our elder board. I am an elder, and I'm white. Our chairman of the elder board is Steve Thorne, who is black. Our newest elder is Ben Chow, who attends BlackRock Longridge, and he is Asian. Our long, uh, one of our longest-serving elders is Ron Donovan, who is Native American. Another current elder is Max Zietz, who is Jewish. And then there is our uh, outgoing chairman of the elder board, Alan Dodd. Uh, many of you don't know Alan's ethnic derivation, because you didn't see him and what he looked like when he first started attending BlackRock. Uh, this is... If you could just go, go back, this one. Yeah, and now, now go. Now. Yeah, that's, that's what happened. Uh, so when he started attending BlackRock, he was in rough shape. Uh, he, uh, he was unemployed, only worked one day a year, and uh, severely addicted to milk and cookies. Anyway, God has done a work in his life. And uh, among the spiritual blessings that God has given BlackRock is an amazing elder board of excellent spiritual leaders who also happen to reflect the racial unity of our church. It was not designed, it just happens to reflect the racial unity of our church. We agree with Paul and God's word that racial divisions have no place in the church. But note how subtle Peter's racism was. Peter's racism was seen in where he sat and who he decided to socialize or not socialize with. Racism can be that subtle, and it's that racism that we need to repent from. If, you know, considering the racial diversity of BlackRock, if all your closest friends in this church look like you, that's a problem. If the only people you invite to your, your home look like you, that's a problem. If your closest social circles, considering the racial diversity of this church, if the people in the closest social circles here, and you don't see anybody in your closest social circle who's of a different race, you need to consider the possibility of subtle racism and deal with it. Because we agree that there must be no racism at BlackRock. We agree that as we enter into this new chapter as a church, We agree that we want to grow in more of this racial unity. As we grow, we want to welcome more white people and more black people and more Hispanic people and more Asian people and more Native Americans and more Arabic people and more Jewish people and more of whoever else I'm forgetting to mention. We agree that it does not matter what race you are. You are welcome at BlackRock. Second.
We agree that there must be no spiritual superiority at BlackRock. Now, this next level of biblical truth comes out of this confrontation uh, between Paul and Peter that says that there is no room for attitudes of spiritual superiority. And see, this is what Paul is getting at when he writes how Peter and Barnabas were captured by hypocrisy. Peter and Barnabas were saying and doing things that displayed a subtle attitude of superiority and pride that said to the Gentiles, we are spiritually ahead of you, and that makes us better than you. And Paul condemns this superior attitude with the worst word he can think of, and he calls it hypocrisy. He's using the same word that Jesus used to confront the Pharisees of his day and their habit of with superiority, looking down on people who didn't know as much as they did. Jesus got really mad about this attitude. Jesus got really mad about the way the Pharisees knew so much and loved so little. He got so mad about how the Pharisees had this knowledge of the Bible that they used to put people down instead of building them up. Jesus hated how the Pharisees used their Bible knowledge as an opportunity for pride instead of an opportunity to humbly feed the spiritually hungry people around them. And as I started this series, I said that God wanted me to say some things that just might make you squirm. Uh, And here's what I mean. I know I am talking to some people right now, and you are guilty of spiritual pride. And you can self-diagnose it by the way you react to those people you see coming and going here at BlackRock. You are appalled at those people and how they don't dress appropriately for church with the wild hair and the tattoos going everywhere. You're appalled by those people and how they don't know the songs or they don't sing, and that's just not right. You are appalled by those people who come in late and leave early, and they obviously don't know the Bible very well because those people don't know the Bible very well. The pastor has to simplify his message instead of giving me the deep theological preaching that I want and that feeds me the way I want to be fed. And Jesus just grieves. Jesus grieves because you know so much and you love so little. Jesus grieves because the knowledge that he has given you to bless others has rotted and that knowledge is now making you proud. Jesus grieves because if you really knew him, you would see those people the way he sees them and you would feel compassion for them instead of pride over them. And I hope you hear the ugly spiritual pride in this attitude and its selfishness. Now, yes, the preaching at BlackRock is designed to feed you from God's word, but not only you. And if you are mature, you show it by the fact that you're not greedy to have somebody feed you every Sunday. You are more eager to be a part of a God-given role that God's given you to help feed others who are younger than you in Christ. And one of the best parts about BlackRock is that we have people at every stage of spiritual growth. And God wants to feed everyone because with God... Everyone is welcome at the cool table. We agree with God that there is there are no room for spiritual attitudes of superiority. 
Because people of every stage are welcome at Black Rock. And thank Jesus, we have people of every spiritual stage, including a large group of those people. And let me just remind you that when God walked this earth, Jesus avoided the proud, spiritually superior people, and Jesus loved hanging out with those people. Jesus scandalized the superior spiritual by the way he welcomed those people, the prostitutes, the Samaritans, the tax collectors, the lepers, the demon-possessed, the wounded, the sick, the Romans, the outcasts, and the Gentiles. When the religious leaders whispered about Jesus, what they said about him is recorded in Luke chapter 15, verse 2. And it was not meant as a compliment from these Pharisees. They said, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. That's what Jesus does. He eats with those people. Jesus welcomes those people to his cool table. With Jesus, everyone is welcome to sit at the cool table. And as we move one week closer to this historic season, when we're going to see new people coming to us more than ever before, we agree with Jesus. We agree that everyone is welcome at Black Rock. People with a lot of baggage are welcome at Black Rock. People who have anger against God and Christians are welcome at Black Rock. People who drink too much and sleep around are welcome at Black Rock. Those people, lost people, all people are welcome at Black Rock. We agree. We agree. But, but wait a minute. Before you agree, maybe you should hear the fact that, that for Jesus, welcoming those people is not just being friendly. Uh, no, by welcoming those people, Jesus is calling you to take an active participation in their spiritual growth and their well-being. Welcoming those people is not just sitting with them, it's eating with them. It's even feeding them and serving them, which is the opposite of spiritual superiority. Jesus calls you to serve those people by humbly sharing your knowledge in Christ and helping them grow. So we must agree, people. We must agree, because this is the only way that people are going to become disciples of Jesus at Black Rock. Each one of us must help at least one new person to grow spiritually. And we have to agree on this because as Jesus brings us more and more people, it's not going to be the pastor's job. It's going to be impossible for the pastors to reach out and love these people. It's your job. It's a job given to you by no one less than Jesus himself. Maybe you, like me, were shut out from the cool table in your school. One thing is for sure. That Jesus is going to be bringing people to us here who are hurt and lost because they have been shoved away from the cool table multiple times in their lives. And so we agree. We agree that wherever Jesus is, that's the cool table. And because Jesus is with us, we agree that at Black Rock, Black Rock is the cool table and everyone is welcome. 